We live in a world that changes so quickly in every possible way. We face challenges that we have never faced before, every day. Welcome to Time for Change with Michelle Rosen, where I share with you the tools, the mindset, and inside expert interviews to help you make the greatest impact possible in these challenging times. I also share with you the power of making two-second decisions and how it can transform your life in every possible way. The most successful people are using it every day, and so can you. I'm your host, Michelle Rosen, and this is Time for Change. I am so glad you could join me today. Welcome everyone to Time for Change. I'm so glad you're with me today. Today we have a special guest. We have Jill Wesley. Jill has worked in his, as an executive coach, a professional speaker. She's a professional speaker and she's been an event producer for over 25 years. Jill is also the head of speaker coaching for TEDx San, San Francisco, which is one of the top TEDx events in the world. So welcome, Jill. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you. And Jill, I just want to talk to you. I just want to talk about life and whatever's going on right now. And um, first of all, how are you? Oh, thank you for asking that. Gen it's a genuine question. Yes. I am doing, I'm doing well overall. I, I'm feeling like there's so much complexity in the world, in my house, and, you know, in the, the business world that it's, um, I've made peace with the fact that I'm going to feel differently at different points of every day and every week, basically. But overall, I'm doing well. Thank you. So first of all, you really are in every possible way uh, part of the world of, of speaking. And so mm -hmm. what got you into that? How did you get into speaking? Well, I was... When I was younger, I mean, in school, I was in theater and I was the person in high school that kind of emceed events, you know, in student council for the school. So I always had a, a level of comfort being in front of uh, rooms of people and I was in speech and debate, et cetera. But I didn't, I didn't plan to have a career in the speaking world at all. It was um, in my 20s, I spent almost six and a half years um, traveling around the world and looking for career, looking for jobs that would allow me to go work in other countries and then spend my money traveling. So I, I taught in business English. And over time, I kind of carved out um, an area of specialization where I would work with senior global leaders. And then I started prepping them for their global events and press conferences, et cetera. And I had a background in cross-cultural communication. So I was able to help them kind of bridge their culture and then the expectations in the US um, without requiring them to give up who they are, uh, who they were. It was really about, you know, bring your authentic self, but also bring your own culture and know how to navigate when you're in other settings. So it started years ago, and then I went back into corporate when I came back to the States. And, and that sounds so interesting. And you know, if there's any industry that really took a hit, among many others, but really took a hit um, during the pandemic, it's the event industry. Absolutely. What are you seeing on your end? What, what does it feel like for you? It, it has been a 
remarkable year in, in many different ways. So I was doing a keynote for NFL in Vegas on March 11th and had huge projects lined up this year. Uh, really high profile events, really exciting. And, um, and then everything basically shut down, I think, March 13th. And I had this moment, I've been through enough cycles, it's about every 10 years in the events industry, because it's tied to whatever's happening with the economy, events and training and speaking are almost the first thing, they're almost always the first thing to go, they'll cancel, yeah. travel and everything. So I, I survived the bumpiness of 2000, 2001, especially in Silicon Valley, and then 2009, 2008 through 10. And so I could see what was going to be up ahead. And I always, just by nature, I, I'm a strategist. I do plan for the worst. So I just assumed it, it's a global pandemic. And I had already gotten information from my colleagues overseas. And I, everyone who was saying, oh, you know, it's March, but events will come back in the summer. I said, there's no way. It's too much of a liability. It's, gonna, it's going to shift to virtual. So Personally, I did have two solid days of me wearing sweats, sitting on the couch, eating mashed potatoes, uh, <laughs> pouting <laughs> because I realized, oh no, everything's going to disappear. But I did have, you know, a body of work and, and a great network to um, engage with. And so I was able to pivot and it's actually been the busiest year I've ever had, but it's, it's related to the strategic communication uh, that I do with leaders. And it actually spawned a, a book idea. So I, I'm writing a book and I, I'm working with the publisher right now based on where we are today and where we're going. You know, it's really interesting. I think um, when you think about pivoting and it's such a, uh, a common word these days, yeah. everybody talks about pivoting and we need to pivot. And I always like to break things down into what they actually mean. Mm -hmm. So what does it actually mean for you to pivot? Okay, so I think there are various ways to pivot. Um, throughout my career, my pivots have, haven't have been 180s. You know, the pivot for me is kind of readjustment and, re and making sure it's aligned with a few things. It's my, my deep expertise and skill set. It's where I feel real passion and um, where I feel a sense of flow. Um, it's related to where I feel I can, I can be of service the most. And then I'm always paying attention to market conditions because I have other skill sets, but it's like, nobody's going to pay me to like, I'm really good at hosting a game night and serving heavy appetizers. I'm really yeah. good at that. Nobody's going <laughs> to, that's just I for wanna, fun. Well, I I'll wanna, invite you. You're <laughs> okay. <All> right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there are all kinds of things. I'm sure someone's made a business out of that, but I'm being playful. But in reality, it was me stepping back. I'm a single mom. I, I have my mom with me. I have responsibilities on my shoulders. And it was, okay, for me to pivot was, what, what do I know I can do that's of, that provides the best service to what people need right now? And because I work with senior leaders uh, in science and technology and in business, I'd been an executive coach for a very long time. I knew I needed to marry some executive coaching with strategic communications internally and externally for them this year. You're talking about something that I think is very important and something I, we need to highlight, which is yeah. prioritizing. And yeah. if you were to ask me, what is the most important skill 
through a crisis, through a pandemic, through a personal crisis. I think, I think you just hit the nail on the head when you when you talked about you talked about two things um, that I thought were really um, important. One is you talked about being of service, yeah. which is to me what leadership and pivoting are all about. And then you also talked about. Um, prioritizing how you know you can you can do this and that but you have to pick where you bring the most value and what you are really really good at and I don't know how it feels on your end but I'm finding that it's probably the most important thing for success for the vast majority of leaders because if you know how to prioritize then you can cut through a lot of noise how do you feel about that oh my goodness I agree a hundred percent. And it's, you just, you just spoke to the signal and noise um, example that just went through my head because this is the noisiest time we've ever been through it for most of us in our, in our adult lives. And if you don't have that sense of prioritization and it's not just KPIs. I mean, I had, I would say Q2, I had tons of conversations with my, my executive um, clients who were saying things like, well, I have to worry about my KPIs. And I would say, yeah, but you have to think about your people and they're, they're freaking out right now. Yes. And if you can't connect with them as human beings and prioritize that, you will not hit whatever KPIs you're trying to <laughs> focus on. 100%. And if you can't, be, you can't show up and be loyal to them now, they will never be, they will always remember how you treated them through this period. So I, the prioritization is so true and it's often stepping back around personal priorities um, I was playful about, you know, me being hosting a game night, but I also have a skill set where I can do diversity training. I did it for 20 years, but it always drained me. I was good at it, but it, I always felt drained at the end of the day. The, the experience for my clients was great, but I had to step back and think at this time, how do I prioritize my actual energy and how can I serve? And when a ton of requests came in around me doing diversity training this year, I was tempted, but I prioritized and said, I, I know I can serve in a different way. I have a great network of people that, that do this type of work. I'm going to just forward all those requests their way because they have the passion and the energy around it. I can support them, you know, on the periphery, but it's not what I do day in and day out. So it's prioritizing kind of how you need to operate in this world for your own energy and also prioritizing what, what others need um, in terms of, a, you know, business approach. It's so true. And, you know, there's so much talk about burnout and as working moms that find themselves working from home and you talk about doing keynotes for me, doing a keynote, I would go away from my home and, you know, do a keynote, come back. There's, you know, me away from home and there's me right here doing a keynote. I, I mean, I did some of them from studios too, but doing a keynote from your home, having some, it's a completely different experience. And so the boundaries, I think for most working people, especially working women um, are very blurry. And just because of that, just in order to prevent burnout, that prioritizing skill is so important. So where do you feel that it's connecting for you between prioritizing on the professional level and then prioritizing in your own home, in your personal life? Mm, I love that question. 
because a lot of, I think a lot of working women uh, who have families are usually pretty good at prioritizing at work. And then at home, obviously we have an emotional component um, and relationships that we really care about and things can get very blurry and we can guilt ourselves out of uh, a lot of things. So my focus, um, I wanted to create because there's, there's chaos, uncertainty, challenges externally. I wanted to make sure that my daughter had a, a grasp on reality. I didn't want, I don't want her to not have any sense of what's truly going on in the world because it's connected to compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of shielding that parents do with their kids, they end up going out in the world as, as adults. And one of the reasons why we have challenges with racism and sexism, et cetera, is because it's not, people haven't experienced it personally, or it's, it's not, it's theoretical for them versus knowing that it's, it's something that we all have the responsibility to address. So I wanted to balance her understanding the reality, but also knowing that I'm her strongest advocate and protector and that we, we still need joy in the house and we need to, um, we need to come together. So I am not a terribly structured person by nature, but I did need to get a reality check around us creating rhythm and some routine, some routine versus overly structured. And I've also to be totally honest, she's in fifth grade. I was starting to stress out about like, what is she learning? And, and then I realized it's fifth grade. She's, <laughs> we'll be fine. What was that? Be okay. It's 50 states. What do we learn in fifth grade? I'll help. She'll be fine. So I, it's that big picture thing I needed to remind myself too. I think uh, it, it's another form of prioritizing, right? I mean, picking yeah. what matters the most and picking where you just let go and you say, does it really matter right now? If you got an A or you got, and just to share something with you too, I, uh, my youngest is in seventh grade. And uh, at the beginning of the beginning of the pandemic, she wasn't as um, independent as she is right now, just because my middle one, my 18 year old basically pulled her aside and said, listen, mom is working from home now. She's super busy. And if you don't get your act together, nobody is going to help you. So you need to stop, you know, stop expecting mommy to help you and start doing your work. She was really yes. good. So, <laughs> so also, I'm 50. I'm, I was kind of a latchkey kid. We had a lot of responsibility in the seventies, you yeah. know, and yeah. the eighties. So I, I also realized they're, they're capable of obviously emotionally, we need to be there for them, but they can do a lot on their own. And so, yeah, sure. right before our call, I went downstairs and said, you know, I'm, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm on a call. Do not interrupt. Do not, interrupt do not bark. <laughs> Kids do not interrupt. Um, it's amazing to find value and some grace in places that you wouldn't expect. And one of the places my mind keeps going to is, okay, so we're going through whatever we're going through and you can't make it what it's not. It's really a, miserable situation. It really is. Um, But what is it that we learn from this? How do we become better through this? And so my question to you is, what do you take out of this? What is your most important way that you feel that you somehow changed or grew or learned something new while going through this whole pandemic situation? I think I've learned things into two areas personally and then professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, 
personally, I'm still gleaning lessons and, and knowledge, but it's, you, you mentioned the word grace. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the grace is actually for myself. Um, and reminding, reminding myself on a regular basis that we're all doing the best we can. Um, I'm not a perfectionist, but there are times where I'll, I have a never ending to-do list and, um, I don't even get the sense of satisfaction crossing things off because I know there are 27,000 other things. <laughs> so part of the grace is just, I reminded myself of sometimes you go to, you know, the post office or you go to, you know, do some sort of um, errand where the line is always long. And I would look at some of the people behind the desk who are serving the public and that they aren't getting super flustered because the line is all, all day long. People are coming in to get whatever service or help that they need. And I'm trying to remember that for, for myself, that it's like not everything, first of all, I don't even have a, a job that is emergency related. So even with my own team members, the first thing they learn when they work with me is, oh my gosh, there is nothing I'm gonna ever get super flipped out over. It's, it's events, I'm not doing heart transplants for a living. So I'm reminding myself that piece and having grace. And then professionally, the, the three biggest lessons I've learned around leadership communication is this period we're in right now is going to sh fundamentally shift things forever. And there's no normal we're gonna get back to. And there's no kind of status quo, it's gonna always evolve. So my biggest lessons professionally are if, if I can help myself and my clients focus on what I'm calling the age of certain uncertainty, that's where we live right now. Love it. Um, that if we focus on the virtual realities we're dealing with, the, the radical inclusion, meaning everybody deserves to be heard and we need to speak to a larger swath of the population. And then third, that constant change is what we're always gonna, we've always dealt with it, but it's accelerated. So Absolutely. if I can keep those two things in mind, it's helpful in terms of what I've learned this period. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And you touched before on something so important for leaders. You touched on the soft skills for leaders, the people skills. And it's such an important point because if before the pandemic, if before this crisis, there's always been some challenge to some leaders with the soft skills, especially high achieving people sometimes don't have the time or the patience to deal with others that are struggling or when you need to diversify your approach or other types of uh, people skills. And now it's absolutely a must. What are you finding as the most important soft skill for leaders through the current challenge? Through the current challenge, it's a combination. It's empathy, but it's a specific type of empathy. There are limits okay. to empathy. Um, because we've been speaking about empathy the past 20 years probably in the corporate space, but it, it can be overly simplistic. What one thing that can happen with really high achieving people is a challenge to really get a sense of what it's like for other people. Um, so there's a tendency for people to say, well, I got through it. I didn't have it easy. Well, just work harder. Well, get up at 4 a.m. and change your routine and hack this. And that's not everybody's lived experience. So yes, Empathy, cognitive and, and relational, affective empathy is important, but it's also, it's being 
rationally compassionate to other people. Even, even, so I look at it with my clients, I'm always saying, let's look at this as if it were a case study. You don't have to like try and feel into where this person is or what this division is doing, but let's just look at it as if it, if you were reading this business case and you just got this data, what would, what would your approach be rationally? Are people going to perform well when they're under these conditions? Let's just think about it. So I'm trying to hit people at two different angles around empathy. It's such, it's such an important uh, point and it's such an important skill for life. I like skills that carry from the world of corporate and leadership to your family and your kids and your mother-in-law. It's such an important skill to have. If you were to think about one piece of advice that you would tell a leader um, that is leading a team through this current challenge, what's the one sentence, the one piece of advice that you would give that leader? The one piece of advice I would give a leader right now yeah. is to slow down when you're going to be communicating things that are critical in your business. Mm -hmm. That not everything needs to be addressed right away. Step back, see if you have a real lay of the land and think intentionally and strategically about how you communicate to others. So if, if I'm not really good at communicating, which is, again, such an important topic and so many people struggle with effective communication and understanding that communication is a two-way street and not always being clear in what they communicate to their team, what, how do I slow myself down? What do, what do I do? So let's say I started my day, a communication is not my thing. I can do a lot of things, that's not my forte. So what, what do I do? I have a five point checklist that Tell a lot of my is. clients will laugh and show me. So number one, truth. Do you have accurate information? The truth is just kind of the facts, but it's also your truth. Like where, where are your biases showing up? And do you have all the, the critical information that you need to communicate before you open your mouth or write that message? So number one is truth. Number two is the empathy and it's both the rational compassion and it's, it's putting yourself into the space others, someone else may be. The third piece that I have people check is once you have some empathy, you're going to need, you realize that people need a sense of hope. Um, and it doesn't have to be flowery. I'm a very pragmatic person. So I, you know, I'm not a motivational speaker. There's motivational components because I'm paying attention to psychology and behavioral change, but it's not fluff, but it's giving a sense of um, we will handle this. Like I'm here for you. We're in this together. So there's a hope component. Number four, people need to hear vision. So what do you see that you need them to see? And then the fifth piece is accountability and that, that people throughout their careers have heard leaders speak and say words that meant things in the moment. And then they still have to go back to work. And it's like, Hey, remember he, Bob said that six months ago and nothing ever happened. Yeah. So it's accountability. So if you, if you bundle those five things in to your messaging and it really is a checklist and I have my clients, you know, double check and they'll follow up with me and say, Oh, I forgot the you know, I forgot number four. So it's those five things will help. And it really makes a difference for your people. 
Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. I think that leaders have such an important role uh, through the current times. And it's so important. You talked about things like hope and accountability and communicating clearly and balancing work and life and just learning how to prioritize all those things that make all of us super successful. So thank you so much, Jill Wesley, for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure.